Hello, passengers. This is Captain Abdu, and today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. Receive $50 towards any mattress purchase at www.caspertrial.com forward slash international lounge. And this is Air Marshal Mike. Today's show is also brought to you by WarbyParker.com. Get a free five-day home try-on at WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash international lounge. Five pairs, five days, 100% free. All listeners... Prepare for boarding. This is International Lounge. Hello and welcome to International Lounge, your passport to world culture. We explore history, music, film, food, and tales from travelers. So put your tray tables down because it's going to be a smooth ride. This is Captain Abdu speaking along with my co-pilot, Max. Howdy do. And for all of you out there that use words on a daily basis and have a passion for word origins, please subscribe on iTunes to Max's podcast, Words for Dinner. That would be great. Alrighty. Now, before we take off to our next destination, we have some great opportunities for our passengers to be a part of International Lounge. If you're traveling abroad, please send us recordings of your experiences. We would love to hear your audio journal entries, anecdotes, conversations, food reviews, perspectives on a historical site or cultural event, or interviews with a local or a fellow traveler. Or if you have anecdotes from places you visited in the past or have any new ideas for a show or for countries the show should explore, let us know and email us at internationalloungepodcast at gmail.com. That's the place. All right. We want all of you to be a part of this. Interactive. All, right? all the world's a stage. Uh, indeed. <laughs> all righty. So, Maximus. Yes. Maximilian. Mm-hmm. Today... We will be flying over the Andes Mountains wow. to the great Peru. Hopefully not in a biplane. Sure. Hopefully a more safe. And airplane. hopefully we don't crash into the mountains and have to eat each other to survive. Right, which is a 50-50 chance. Um, which I would, I would say the best thing is if we both uh, started from the bottom up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the best way. Maybe we'll survive the longest. Right. We do it that way. Sure. Yeah. Um, that like. is the strategy uh, in place. Here right. Right first, folks. Start from the bottom up. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. So now um, let us start with our first segment, as always, a brief time of history. Sometimes it's brief. All righty. Now, so let's talk about the earliest settlers. So uh, some scholars have suggested that humans occupied the Andes as far back as 14,000 BC. Uh, The first Peruvians were descendants of the nomadic tribes who crossed into the Americas from Siberia during the last ice age. So we're talking 40,000 to 15,000 BC. That's a little while ago. Um, In a number of tribes, there seems to be cultural memories of these long migrations encapsulated in their traditional mythologies. How amazing That's is cool. that? That's cool. Right? Actually, and they actually, yeah. like, in their mythology, it actually refers back to, like, remnants of this migration. Yeah, I thought that was actually really awesome. That's super cool. Mm-hmm. I don't have any of those. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't think of a single thing. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I don't even remember anything prior to when I was about seven. <laughs> yeah. No. It's really a gap. Yeah. I don't think I even formed memories until I was 11 or 12. Right, exactly. Short, Why short term you, or long term. What are you doing? You're just sure. running in circles Nothing happened. at that point. Uh, so remarkable people. Um, now, the most definitive archaeological evidence, however, uh, shows humans in the region around 8,000 BC. So we can at least say for sure at that point. And now, along with Egypt, India, and China, Peru is considered one of the six cradles of civilization. You know, that sounds comfortable and nice. If you want a civilization, you want sure. to take good care yeah. of it, right? Just 
Rocket just cradle it, basically. Right? I guess that's why they chose that term. (laughs) Seems like a good word. Alrighty, so can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the pyramids of Corral? Yeah, the pyramid. Well, the pyramids of Corral, right? So they were re- rediscovered again in 1911. Sure. sure. Uh, these stone built ceremonial structures were flourishing a hundred years before the Great Pyramids at Giza. Whoa, um, that's amazing. Which we did talk about in the Egypt sure, episode. Sure, a little sure, bit. sure. Um, so the Chinchoro people were the world's first practitioners of mummification a thousand years before, the, or thousands of years before yeah, the Egyptians. Yeah, they, uh, they so, always got to stick it to Egypt well, just to make them feel bad. Here? It's already like, we're just getting started and we already got a couple anti-Egypt things happening. Yeah, so I don't know if I appreciate their sentiment, but uh, it, uh, the question is, I mean, were these like good mummies or were yeah. they kind of just like weak like, mummies like half-ass mummies. yeah that's that's the question or even the pyramids i mean were these what step pyramids right right they, <laughs> give me a break you never really know maybe they're missing the corner or something <laughs> well so okay so then the, we got that right so they're already that's happening then we got the Ch- the chavin cult mm-hmm. right from around 1200 bc to 200 a.d the cult was based on the worship of nature spirits mm. And an all-powerful feline creator god. Ah, so sure. you got your cat god. You sure. got your nature spirits, sure. right? What else do you need? Like thundercats. Sure. So I, I imagine Garfield was uh, was a revered uh, right deity. I forget. I forget his owner's name. Was it like Stan <laughs> John, or something? John. It was John. John. <laughs> that's right, John. So uh, you know, if you if you ever watch Thundercats, guys, you're actually that's a cultural memory from early prehistory. Sure. Sure. Okay, so that's what we learned so far. So the, uh, that is perhaps symbolizing the this creator god, perhaps symbolizing spiritual transformation experienced under the influence of hallucinogenic plants. Now, how much do you know about sort of these like crazy like Amazonian uh, hallucinogens? Yeah, right? I was just you know uh, I was just picturing like a fish concert or a Grateful Dead show. <laughs> sure, I don't sure. think it's like that. No. I don't think that you should take that home with you. That's mm-hmm. probably not accurate. Right. But, uh, right. This is really the Chavin cult, man. That's the yeah, place. That was it. So like, there, there was like a lot of this like cult culture. So they sort of were like springing up all over the place. But the Chavin was sort of one of the more predominant ones, or the one they had the most documented. Okay. Up. Right. Now, um, now tell us just sort of what the, the classical era that sort of uh, that happens around this time. Period. Right. Right. So okay. So after you got to the, the Chavin cult, there's the classical era, which which stretches from 200 to 11 A.D. And uh, the best documented culture were the Mochica and Nazca, forebears of our friends, the Incas. Of course, of right? course. Who we all know. So the Mo- the Moch culture settled the area around T- Trujillo mm-hmm. between 100 and 800. In 1300, Chan Chan in the Trujillo area became the capital of the Chimu people. Yeah, so it's actually a big city. I've been to Trujillo. Okay. Um, and actually, it's a, it's, a cool, um, it's a cool little city. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Chan Chan. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely for tourists. I recommend this is like one of the, like sort of the less populated, like ancient sites to go to. I mean, everyone's going to be on the Inca trail, Machu yeah. Picchu, all that stuff. But if you have a chance to get, get head over to Trujillo, check out Chan Chan. It's, it, it was actually, it was a pretty important city in, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Pretty Incan. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't go wrong there. Maybe engage in some haggling in a market sure, or something. Sure. 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 I actually did, um, in, it was, it was in Trujillo. I did, uh. I was very aggressive no. with, with the haggling. <laughs> Maybe I, overdid it. I, I purchased a, a novelty sort of a, a you know, like Incan hat or yeah. some sort of an Indiana Jones style Maybe hat. Maybe it was a woven hat. Uh, I was so proud of myself for having haggled this poor old woman until someone reminded me that they need this money <laughs> to survive, to live. 
I was a monster. Sure. Well, you know, I still, I still prominently display that hat on my wall. You know, for years to come. I'm sure she's got enough hats to sure, go around. Sure. Maybe there's a. She probably just, you know, really screwed the next guy. She may not even be selling a hat. I may have just taken a hat from a poor woman. Yeah, right. This is a very possible. So yeah, we'll never know. So yes, please, please uh, be generous. In the <laughs> spend, 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 spend lavishly when you go this. down there. Alrighty. So. Max, this right, right. next topic I am super excited oh, to talk I'm about. I'm excited too. I actually. love this. Okay. Um, now, uh, this is, of course, we talked about the Nazca culture, but what they're most famous for is, of course, the Nazca lines. Okay. Now, this is not a drug reference. <laughs> sure, no. Uh, there is a lot of coca in the area, mm-hmm. but no, these right. are a different sort of lines. Okay. okay. So, the Nazca lines are carved giant enigmatic designs. Uh, such as, and they'll be like animal shapes, like a spider or a bird or all kinds of, you know, Mickey Mouse, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, right? Into the desert landscape <laughs> that could only be seen from the air. Now, this is crazy. When I looked this up, this range from about, could have been done anywhere between 500 BC and 500 AD. That's a long time. So, so somewhere in that time. Uh, now, um, your boy... Eric von Daniken, sure. who a famous <laughs> ufologist slash nut job. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, so Eric von Daniken's theory um, that basically a long time ago, visitors from other planets uh-huh. visited Nazca. Uh-huh. Uh, during the landing, um, sort of stones were blown away by the power of their rocket propulsion. Okay. And after the aliens disappeared, <laughs> the people tried to call back the gods by drawing these lines and figures in, in the desert. Okay. So sort of a... Who wouldn't back. do that? Um, they didn't. logical. They didn't come back, so it didn't <laughs> oh, work. Oh, oh. Uh, so they're a little disappointed. That's a bummer. Um, but it's super interesting. I mean, you know, there's all these... Uh, so I read a ton of different theories about all of them were insane. Yeah. Right? There was another That's one. That's a good one, though. Uh, the balloon theory by this guy, uh, Jim Woodman. So basically, mm. he actually made a balloon of of resources that were available at that time. So he used like fine Peruvian cotton. Wow, okay. A basket that was made by like the way they made like the, the, the Aymara Indians uh-huh, made uh-huh. this type of uh, basket. And he made this flying object he called the condor. Uh-huh. Uh, he used hot air from a fire that was brought into the balloon. Um but basically, the balloon flew away after like the pilots freaked out and just hopped out of it. Like, <laughs> so that, one, that one did not work. Yes, yeah, so it didn't so work it out. But potentially, away. they could have potentially they could have at that time made a version of a hot, of an ancient hot air balloon, and 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 it would have okay. been seen because uh, that's really the wow. best way to uh, to visualize an escalines. So uh, they're they they were trying to figure out like, well, why would they do it so you can only see it from the air? Yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. So that's, that's the question. So what do you think? What do you think? Like it, the Nazca lines, you know, these amazing drawings in the dirt that they made, right? Yeah. In the ground, um, can only be seen from a certain viewpoint. Right. So why do you think they made? It? Do you think this is some? Is there an extraterrestrial explanation? That's obviously not the reason. Yeah. But <laughs> well, but, hold on. Okay. There. Okay. Um, it could be uh, if I was an alien. Right. Sure. And I was scooting over in my spaceship. Yeah. And just checking out the planet. I was like, well, is this the right one? Did I choose wisely here? Sure. Oh, man. If there's only a quick way for me to figure it out, you know, and there was some like intricate designs for me to see, I'd be like, oh, what artistic people. Sure, sure. Let's go hang out. Yeah, that's neat. It's sort of like I feel the aliens came. 
They had a great time with these ancient Peruvians. They had yeah. fun. They had a wild weekend. Sure. And sort of the Nazca lines are sort of the tramp stamp yeah. <laughs> of a wild weekend with these aliens, you know? And they're just there forever now. They just party too hard. Yeah. And then, you know... And then they're gone. Well, they're it. gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, what this all comes back to is why it's amazing is because everyone keeps saying that you can't see this unless you're in a plane or in a hot air balloon and all right. of this stuff, sure. right? You know, the, these intricate animal designs, a spider, a bird, all this stuff. But the truth is, like, I don't know. I could probably do that. I mean, yeah. it, it's like those crop circle pranks people did. Oh, yeah. They what, were just from pranks? the ground. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> sorry to have uh, <laughs> oh, a, no. a spoiler alert oh, there. Oh, my undergraduate degree. <laughs> so... <laughs> But here, that's the whole thing. It's like, couldn't realistically, right? Yeah. If someone was like, draw a spider in the dirt, mm. and like, whatever, take Make your time with it, and you're gonna have a bunch of, you're gonna have like 200 Peruvians helping you. Yeah. Oh, but uh, I mean, was slave labor a thing? I mean, the Egyptians, yeah, well, right? very much so. Oh, okay, so you know, you got so, an yeah. unlimited number of Peruvians. Yeah. So much like every remarkable thing in the world. Slaves, slaves and time. Slaves, no wages too. That's the thing yeah. about slaves. They're like, hey, could we maybe get some food? No, man, no. You, that's not part of the deal. So I think that's where the, the mystery of the Nazca uh, yeah. comes down to. Because <laughs> yeah. honestly, I think you could just just from a from the ground viewpoint, you could probably still draw these things. Yeah. yeah. This so is, this is the thing. If we're gonna be real. I yeah. mean, come on, man. Yeah. Can could I do this? No. Could I do it with a bunch of people helping me? Probably not. But I'm I'm assuming there's more to it, you know. Yeah, like I can't even like make a vase. No. But no. like, no. you know no. what I mean? Like I can't even draw what it would like a like a you know a blueprint. Yeah. So I can't do most things, but no. <laughs> you know, ancient people did a lot of cool stuff yeah. with their hands. They made buildings. They right. made. Right. I mean the. Peruvians never made a wheel, but sure. I mean, the whole, other cool oh, stuff. Man, I was waiting for you to say that, man, that wheel thing keeps going gonna <laughs> sure. to come back to haunt them. You know, it? it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But I mean, what I'm saying is these ancient people did a lot of amazing stuff with their hands. Mm -hmm. So having drawn some lines in the dirt that look cool from far away, yeah, I'm not super impressed. How do they preserve them? Because this is the thing that's interesting. Oh, like, why doesn't it just blow away? Yeah. What? I have no, I just assumed that the, Peruvian desert has no wind. I don't yeah, know. It could be. I that. don't know why they're not destroyed be. by now. That's I don't know very... what's preserving them. Hmm. Hmm? Okay. Well, I guess you'll have to go out and check your, uh, get a first-hand account. Sure. You have to see it for yourself. We'll have to go down and look. Right. Surely. Now, um, now, Max, we've mm. talked about the Nazca, mm -hmm. these sort of predecessors mm. to a much uh, greater empire. Can mm. you please tell us oh. who steps into the scene next? You know what? I am thrilled that I got to share this because this is a exciting part of history. We got to talk about the Incas, right? Of course. So <clears throat> the dates on the Incas, we got 1200 to 1532. Uh, the Inca referred to their empire as Tawan Tinsuyu, right? Right. Which means the four quarters. Right. The term Inca, in fact, means ruler or lord in Quechua, which is their language, and was used to refer to the ruling class or the ruling family. Right. Now, I found this interesting this because crazy, right? we just refer to Incas as Incas, but that's not their name. No. That's not what they call that's themselves. That's not what they're called. They're called the other word that I pronounced yeah. correctly. But that's all because the Spanish <laughs> came over. They're like, who are you? Like, oh, I'm a ruler. 
Okay. So, but they say Inca. Like, okay, so that's uh, what everyone's called. Great, that's All right, what you fine. <laughs> next, next okay. song. Okay. Next uh, here's song. Here's some smallpox. Get the hell out of our way. Like, man, I am really busy colonializing this area. They didn't I do not even have time bother. to give you the right answer. Yet. They didn't even bother to take an extra five oh, minutes God. just to learn their name. You know, even up here, we, like on the East Coast, right? We got your uh, colonial forces coming in. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like, hey, uh, I can't even bother coming up with an original name i'm just gonna name this after some uh, european yeah. cities we already have yeah come on guys <laughs> jeez all right anyway so according to inca lore their civilization was born when menko kapak and his sister mama oklo oh yeah children mama. of the sun emerged from lake titicaca to establish a civilization in nikuzco valley so lake titicaca mm-hmm. now sure. For you fifth graders out there, <laughs> sure. get it out of your system. Sure, get the giggles right? out. Get, a, get the giggles out. Sure. Sure. This is an <laughs> this is an actual lake. Yeah, on Massive. the earth, it's called that. Mm-hmm. That's the name of it, and that's uh, you know, it just happens to be important to the Incas too. Yeah. So Surely. take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> your peace pipe. Your peace pipe. Sure. Ex- <laughs> expansion took off in the early 15th century. Century under. Pachacutec. Oh, this dude's big. This is like this is one of the first. This is one of the first big emperors. Mr. Pachacutec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Inca territory expanded north into Ecuador, almost reaching Quito under the next emperor, Tupac. Yeah. Tupac. Wait a yeah, second. Yeah. Tupac. Oh, this is amazing, right? Get out of here. No joke. And we're gonna talk. <laughs> we're we're gonna talk about later, sort of the 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 second coming of Tupac, Tupac mm-hmm. Amaru the second. But this Tupac. It this, wasn't called three pack. No, that was not interesting. A, Three pack uh, sale Situation. over at uh, Costco. Yeah, the Cusco. Uh, <laughs> Cusco Costco. Sea <laughs> Town. Um, now, uh, the thing is, this is where your your boy uh, Tupac Shakur gets his name from. His <laughs> right. namesake is is from Tupac Amaru. Oh, that's really. He's actually named after this. Like, really, actually, the the the, the next guy that we're going to talk about oh. eventually is going to be Tupac Amaru. Oh, Tupac Shakur's name is Tupac Amaru Shakur. Oh wow! Named That's after you know, like Tupac, the rapper was pretty cool already yeah. before I knew that. But yeah. now he's extra cool. Yeah, That's like yeah, now yeah. he's like a revolutionary yeah. name. Right, right. To live and die in Lima. There you go. Right. Sure. Who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> Cusco uh, love. Cusco love. <laughs> Um, well, okay, so th- that's something to mull over. So then yeah. we got Huayna Capac. This mm-hmm. is a figure of importance. 1493 to 1525. Much of his reign focused on maintaining the northern end of the empire. In fact, he was in Quito when he first heard of strange sightings of white men in oh, boats. Man. Danger oh, that ahead. is never a good sign. Danger ahead. Off the Peruvian shores. He died of smallpox, of course, before name. Oh, my. Naturally. Um, damn it. The smallpox thing again. Oh, geez. You know what? Not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Not a good sign when that starts happening. So at this point in history, the Inca Empire is probably the largest in the world. Even though it had neither horses nor, as we mentioned earlier, wheel technology. Which is, I always just feel it's like a dig at the empire. It's like, they can't just give them credit. I feel like this is just like a... They were great. Like, no one can just like, they were awesome, they did everything great. They're like, yeah, they're great, but yeah, they didn't have a wheel, they didn't have all this other stuff. Now, what was it? Was it just a square that just turns slowly? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just, they just keep going on pushing it from behind. <laughs> right. I don't know why they wouldn't Slower. think of a wheel. I mean, like, just think of anything round or circular. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I feel that's just an intuitive invention. Right, right. Like, why would you even get that far yeah. without thinking of that? You know what the thing that nobody talks about is, though? The wheel is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But then the axle, that's the thing. Well, yeah. 
right? Maybe I they, wouldn't have thought of that. Maybe they had like a round disc and they just didn't know what to do with right, it. Right, right, right. And they started playing Frisbee and they were like, well, yes. this is the extent of this technology. <laughs> we better enjoy it. Which is amazing <laughs> in yeah, and of itself. Yeah. I mean, Actually, Frisbee still blow my mind. This is day. Frisbee a, like, I imagine Frisbee to be some sort of like Mesoamerican or South American mm-hmm, sport mm-hmm. that was adapted right. into our modern lives. I mean, the first sponsored Frisbee athlete, you might remember, <laughs> right. was, was Huayna Capac. Sure, of course. <laughs> right, yeah. you know, guys. Disc golf. <laughs> can you? Oh my God! Can you imagine the disc golf on the NASCO lines? It's probably oh, man. so cool. <laughs> yeah. Here you dive into the dirt. You just <laughs> disrupt it. Just rolling Very around. intricate uh, spider design. Tricks. Yeah. Now, um, now, okay. now, Max. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a sort of a touchy subject, sort of the mm-hmm. Incas and mm-hmm. and some of their uh, right. human sacrifices. Right. What's what's that all about? So, yeah, you're right when you say that. Uh, in fact, there were human sacrifices. They performed child sacrifices during right. or after important yeah, events. This. Man, you know, one other thing I got to say about them, they're not trying to be the popular kid in school. No. They don't care. No. They're going to do what they want to do. And uh, that's, you know. Do you think, though, that these were indeed the bones of children or just very tiny Peruvians? Well, I think that's an important point, actually. You know, um, if, especially if you got a uh, civilization that doesn't have Big Macs or, right. you know, uh, you, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Taco Bell, uh, <laughs> spicy wraps. You know, you're not going to be able to grow to your full height. No. No. So that's They're just problem. having quinoa all day. Right, quinoa, right. Which is, of course, a ancient grain of, course. of Peru. Oh, right, especially with, you know, rosemary um, uh, spices. <laughs> uh, uh, instant. Um, interesting, fascinating. So tell us a little bit about the, what is what is the the quipu? Keep, the okay, the quipu. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, the quipu, the or not record, mm-hmm. was a method used by the Incas to keep records, quipu records, <laughs> and communicate information. So this is a crazy, this is totally cool. Yeah. So it, if you go down there and you're like, hey, I really would like to communicate with some mm-hmm. other uh, people in the Inca Empire. Mm-hmm. How should I do that? Well, I'll send an email. No. Okay. I'll just uh, ride a donkey down there. Sure, you could do that. But why not take a more interesting approach and just translate what you want to say into knots. Into knots. Like K-N-O-T-S, wow. knots. <laughs> yes. And put them in a rope. Give the rope to somebody else, yeah. and they'll just read it. Sure. They'll just read the rope. Sure. Rope reading. That's amazing. That's so I imagine if, if you have a, a sort of a pile of rope just like tangled up, like would you inadvertently like curse <laughs> out like the emperor and, right, right. and right. Uh, you know, yeah. get your head chopped off? I, think I mean, that's the risk that you're yeah. running there. This would often happen. You know, you get a rope. The, the emperor of yeah. the Incas gets a rope, and he it's an important message. And he's like, next thing you know, he's like, well, the rope told me to draw a giant bird in the sand. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> they just just why would I question the rope? Just what it says. Question the rope. We will sacrifice you, <laughs> right? These are all dangerous. Yeah. So they were they were quite literally stringing together sentences <laughs> in the uh, Kipu language. Hey, Air Marshal Mike, how's it going? You look a little tired. Oh, I am tired, Captain Abdu. I I have not slept in days. Oh, well, that is that is deeply tragic, and and you're you're clearly in some state of delirium, I presume. But I will tell you, uh, when I first got into the flying business, um, I used to uh, have terrible sleep at night, and I would fall asleep through at least half of my flights, till I got myself a Casper mattress. A Casper mattress? Yes, indeed. And now, now it's not just the soul of a dead child, 
A Casper mattress is a beautifully crafted memory foam mattress that has been a dream to sleep on. And I'll tell you, if you go to www.caspertrial.com forward slash international lounge, Casper is offering $50 towards any mattress purchase at casper.com. So, Max, let me tell you about one of the greatest uh, rediscoveries in modern history. Mm. And that is, of course, Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. It's an Incan citadel set high in the Andes Mountains, built in the 15th century and then later abandoned. Oh. It's renowned for its sophisticated dry stone walls that fuse huge blocks without the use of mortar, intriguing buildings that play on astronomical alignments mm. and panoramic views. That's its fascinating. exact former use remains a mystery, however. But it is theorized that Machu Picchu had served as a convent of sorts where chosen women from the Inca realm were trained to serve the Inca leader. Okay. Now, it was actually initially mistaken as the lost city of the Incas, known as Vilcabamba. Now, so, so this is where this comes from. Actually, so when um, the Spanish eventually arrive uh, and totally just decimate yeah. everybody they see, uh, the last Incan emperor escapes into the mountains in the and, and builds a city called Vincabamba. Uh, and, you know, they're living there for like 35 years okay. uh, before the Spanish find them and then and yeah, actually decimate yeah. them. But this was sort of the last sort of refuge oh. of, of the Incans. Wow. Um, so, and then the, the city disappears and nobody knows where it is, right? That is fascinating. Uh, and then, you know, it, it, this, 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 this explorer, you know, finds Machu Picchu. Okay. And he thinks this is Vilcabamba. This is the lost city of the Incas. Why not? Uh, you know, and what he does is, you know, he sees all these, like, skull bones and all these things. Uh, okay. He, you know, uh, and what's interesting is that what they find there is actually they found some skulls that actually had burr holes in them. And what this actually indicates is this practice known as trepanation, or trepanning, Uh-oh. where they actually, it's actually an ancient neurosurgery. Ah! So it's actually brain surgery that they did at the time at Machu Picchu. Uh, wow. Yeah. So that's Holy like this ancient uh, uh, neurosurgical treatment that they actually do to I this can't day. imagine they had a lot of anesthesia back in those uh, days. Well, they did have, uh, they had enough uh, coca, coca leaves huh? to go around. All right. So. Just do a couple Nazca lines. Oh, yeah. So, Next yeah. thing you know. You'll be fine. Yeah. You won't even feel a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, right, fascinating well. place. Now, another interesting uh, mystery um, that, that um, in, in ancient Peru was, was actually in 1928, right, mm-hmm. during an excavation of a, a complex and sophisticated graveyard mm. in the Paracas Desert, uh, these skulls were uncovered. Um, okay. Essentially, it was a set of controversial human remains were found. And some of the largest elongated skulls ever discovered on the planet uh, were found. Now, apparently, Whoa. apparently, the mitochondrial DNA showed okay. mutations that were unknown to any man, primate, or animal found on planet Earth. What? The mutations suggest that researchers were dealing with a completely new human-like being. Oh. Now, oh. that is fascinating. Aliens. That is super fascinating. I uh, do question the reliability of that study. Can you cue up the X-Files theme song for this episode? (laughs) It is perfect for this. But that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Now, listen. Let's say, with even out the mitochondrial DNA aspect of it, let's just Mm -hmm. talk about these elongated skulls. Some theorize, well, this was just some practice they did on, like, 
teenage boys and they did this deformation yeah, some know, sort of ritual thing I, I i gotta say i gotta be honest with you i've i've taught some classes before yeah. both at the college level and younger and sometimes high school boys i would uh you know i would elongate their skulls to sure. get them to shut up it doesn't matter right. like trepanation whatever it is yeah it seems like the peruvians ancient peruvians or incans were really fascinated with with somehow deforming Human skulls. surgery, right, skulls. Right, so I don't know if this was some sort of a ritual they did, in in which case, what is that? What, does everyone need to look like former NBA superstar Sam Cassell? <laughs> oh, Sam Cassell, man. <laughs> was that the desired look? You know, i got to say, you are right on point with that. <laughs> Poor Sam Cassell, man. He is a he is a smoking athlete on the court. Yeah, but sure. I gotta say, he weird is looking guy. Hideous. He's a weird looking hideous guy. Hideous man. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> true. So, okay, um, yeah. So, he what do you think? What are your thoughts? What, what are your thoughts on this? What well, do you think the Paracas skull? Is it possible that this is just uh, you know a isolated uh, area where people just lived amongst themselves and sort of uh, you know procreated amongst themselves and they're just you think this is sort of a founder of heads uh, sort of thing? Could be, could be, and even with this sort of this DNA, this different type of DNA. I mean, they've actually other parts of the world they found like. DNA that was different to yeah. what was known. Mm. So the question is, what it what it is that we consider to be um, not human is really just is is human, but we just didn't find that and we didn't include that in mm. that category. Right? Could be, could okay. be, or is it is it what we're all hoping for? I'm and gonna, it is. I'm gonna go with the alien. Thing. It is a race of Sam Cassell. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell like you what, if they, humanoids. In a couple of years, just give it a couple of years, we're going to be able to recreate what uh, the Paracas people were like, right? I mean, next listen, thing you know, they're just dropping threes. They're dropping threes. Their the assists <laughs> average are, you know, oh, triple doubles. Above par, you know, they're, mm -hmm, they're, mm -hmm. they're, uh, for short, for, for short people, too. Yeah. They're like the Muggsy Bogueses of uh, sure, history. Sure. Right. That's just a theory. And really, if, if you really were to look at the remains of Muggsy Bogues, <laughs> right, he's, right. he's really still living, yeah. we hope. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he would just resemble mm. a child, which would be misconstrued as some sort yeah. of uh, sacrifice right, at, right. at the footsteps of uh, Machu Picchu temples. Yeah, you know, these are all easily understood theories. Yeah. So, of course, more uh, research is warranted. <laughs> Already, so now so, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to hopefully not more skulls. Do we have more skulls? I think I don't we're think. good for now. Well, I, maybe not for the moment, but but there are we do have some new visitors coming down. <laughs> surely, surely far worse than any alien life form. Right. Uh, the worst invasion of of the human race mm -hmm, mm -hmm. would, of course, be the Spanish. The Spanish. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, so these we, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, right, sure. it was gonna happen. I remember from the Egypt episode too. There's like, there's just a moment there where you're like, uh oh, some somebody's gonna Someone's show up. Someone's brewing. Someone's on the mess horizon. things up. So in 1528, we got this explorer, Francisco Pizarro, who landed in Tumbes on the north coast of Peru. So Pizarro quickly deduced that the empire was in a fractious state and orchestrated a surprise attack that left Emperor Atahualpa a prisoner of war. Mm. In an attempt to regain his freedom, Atahualpa offered the Spanish a bounty of gold and silver. Thus began one of the most famous ransoms in history, with the Incas attempting to fill an entire room with the precious stuff in order to placate the unrelenting appetites of the Spanish, who we all know love this gold and <laughs> oh, silver. Dorado. 
but it was never enough. The Spanish held out to Wapa for eight months before executing him with a garrote at the age of 31. Wow. So just imagine this Cruel. this room filled with – I imagine sort of like the Scrooge McDuck mm-hmm. uh, just, <laughs> bin of gold in which the, this 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 yes. conquistador is just oh, swimming around. So in. bueno. <laughs> which, so though, bueno. if you were to dive into a pool of gold, you would just fracture your skull <laughs> and die. And then you would you need would to – You actually would need trepanation as a treatment. Right? You just – this is so. why they say don't dive in the shallow end. Right. Okay. Surely. Okay. Surely. So the native population, which was around 10 million when Pizarro arrived, was reduced to 600,000 so. within 100 years. Wow. That so. is terrible. So completely just destroyed. What's interesting, actually, the, you know, Ugh. we say the word decimate. Yeah. And decimate actually means to kill off a population tenfold. Yeah. And that, this is more than that. That, that just shows you how much worse colonialism yeah, was yeah, yeah. prior to like decimation comes from like the Ro- the roman era right right right, right? and right. which without the worst thing you can do is it's to like you can tenfold right right this but at worse. this time period you know it's like oh, complete God. annihilation yeah so this is guys this is genocide is not a fair term it's not no. it's not harsh enough to describe no. what happened here so in colonial Peru, which is after this, in 1541, Pizarro was assassinated right. by a just dis- finally by a disgruntled faction. All right, come up. Uh, They're like, man, your swimming pool seems pretty cool. I want to try it <laughs> out. Uh, immigrants from Spain held the most prestigious positions in this uh, t- in this era of society, while criollos, which were Spaniards born in the colony, were confined to middle management. Then you got your mestizos, right? People who were of mixed blood were placed even further down the social scale. And then finally, of course, you knew this was going to happen after a colonial uh, takeover. Full-blooded indigenous resided at the bottom. Uh, What I thought was interesting was that, like, it wasn't even just a race thing because Spaniards Mm. just born in the colony were lesser. Yeah. But they... You know, yeah. lineage-wise, they're yeah. the same as the Spanish from so Spain. So imagine, if you will, a advanced civilization for some reason deciding that it mattered if you were born in the country or not. Yeah. Yeah, Surely. that would be weird if that happened. <laughs> Surely. Ah, changing their policies and all that. Surely. Surely. Yeah. yeah. For reasons of power grabbing. <laughs> Very strange. That would be quite a bizarre dystopian world. Yes. Good thing this is the Middle Ages. <laughs> That would be, yeah. So, you know, let's, uh, before we start uh, getting off topic, let's move on to the next chapter. Of course, now this is, of course, the the second coming of Tupac. Tupac (laughs) Amaru II, uh, a.k.a. uh, I like to call him uh, Tupacalypto. (laughs) Of course, that is a hybrid of uh, Tupac Shakur's uh, Tupacalypse Now and Apocalypto. Mel Gibson's blockbuster (laughs) bomb... Uh, depicting uh, the ruthlessness of uh, of Mesoamerica. Oh man! So Mel Gibson is, you know, like you hear about him, like like getting pulled over and making like rude remarks about all sorts of different yeah. kinds of people. But he that didn't quite do it for him. He had to come up with a movie that was just like broadly insulting the entire southern hemisphere he, of the Americas. He likes to also make films showing the brutality. Of like yeah. of groups, 
of, of like people that no longer exist. Right, right, right. Right? Yeah. He exactly. just loves to do that. Yeah, because he's like, oh man, we're so much better now. And it's yeah. like, yikes. Well, it's just, if in a way it's sort of uplifting that mm-hmm. he thinks sort of, that it, does he think that we're actually better people maybe. now? Maybe. Yeah, maybe he doesn't. I, I would, this is a quick, you know, you got to get him on the show. Yeah. If, you, if you're, if you're okay. out there. Mel. Mel. Give us a call. We're going to be doing an Australia episode at some point. That's so. true. Yeah. Um, oh man, Mad Max. <laughs> Mad Max shows up in oh, four yeah. Fs in that episode. Oh yeah. So so what? Who is this guy? Actually, and, and interestingly enough, that we're talking about Mel Gibson, Mad Max, of course, in the uh, California Love video, is actually a homage to uh, to uh, Beyond Thunderdome. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So. Well, you know what? Which is interesting, <laughs> you know. Sort of that is, uh, you know, I wonder if that is how the original Tupac Amaru the uh, Second sort of looked like. Mm-hmm. Sort of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were a king at that time, you could have a music video if you wanted. <laughs> they would just film it on knots. Sure. It was actually <laughs> all the, the <laughs> smash hits were just were just ropes. Uh, were just friendship bracelets <laughs> right, just passed right, around. Right. Right. Sure. Snap bracelets. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Now, uh, so let's talk about <laughs> let's, let's, let's let's circle back to Tupac Amaru the Second. So yeah. in 1780, it was actually his original name, Jose Gabriel. Uh, Condor Conqui is a descendant mm-hmm. of the Inca monarch Tupac Amaru, so the original okay. Tupac that we had right. mentioned earlier. Gotcha. He arrested and executed a Spanish administrator on charges of cruelty. Mm. His act unleashed an indigenous rebellion that spread into Bolivia and Argentina. Wow. Condor Conqui adopted the name Tupac Amaru II mm. and uh, traveled the region uh, fomenting revolution. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Now, unfortunately, in 1781, he was dragged to the main plaza in Cusco, where he would watch his followers, his wife, and his sons killed in a day-long orgy of violence. Oh, that did not turn out well. I was kind of hoping this would end up in a, uh, No, a unfortunately, ending. unfortunately, uh, much like all the Tupacs, hmm. uh, it, does, yeah. it does end in tragedy. So really, the, 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 the conquistadors were essentially the, uh, the notorious B.I.G. Right, uh, of, to, of history. <laughs> to... Uh, to uh, um, Tupac Amaru II. Right, or the FBI of history, depending on how you want to look <laughs> sure. at it. Sure, we all have our own uh, theories sure. on the matter. Sure. Um, now, <laughs> uh, uh, but some good things are on the horizon. Uh, mm. Independence. That's um, good. Uh, does occur. So Argentine revolutionary uh, Jose de San Martin led independence campaigns in Argentina and Chile before oh. entering Peru by sea at the port of Pisco in 1820, and right. independence was gained in Ju- on July 28, 1821. Wow, cool. That's right? awesome. Yeah, it's about time there. Um, yeah. Now, uh, of course, um, as the people were freed, their minds were also freed. Mm-hmm. On to a, party down. To party down, of course. And tell us a little bit about this... Uh, uh, the uh, drug of choice. Well, you know, uh, it's coca. Of course. How? Who could guess any any other? Uh, you know, crop would be as useful, sure, or as fun. And uh, there it is, coca. This is the place, man. This is where coca comes from. Mm-hmm. So presented as a gift from the gods, coca was also used to exploit slave labor under Spanish rule. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so, uh, so you know what the drug trade guys? It's never just fun for people. No, it's no, always this isn't, this dark isn't just the Wolf on Wall Street. No, it's not. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> is just a small fraction of this story. So the isolation of the active ingredient in coca, cocaine, which happened in nineteen, uh, I'm sorry, eighteen fifty nine, began an era of intense medical experimentation. 
That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So its numbing effects have been appreciated by dental patients around the world. And even Pope Leo XIII enjoyed a bottle of the coca wine. Mm. Um, you know what's interesting? Uh, coca was one of the essential ingredients in Coca-Cola. Hence the name. Yeah. 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 And, and in fact, um, uh, we actually talked about this on another podcast mm -hmm. earlier in the year. But uh, there is a lengthy story about how Coca-Cola decided to choose... Um, Coca as being a, one of its central ingredients, yeah. and there was a there was an intermediary beverage that was popular in Europe at the time, and it did have coca in it. But really, it was it was cocaine wine. Oh, just like oh, that's the, that's Pope Leo's uh, drink of choice. Yes, Pope Leo. Wow, and Pope Leo was the guy. Wow, he popularized it, wow. and everybody started noticing. Wow. The original purveyor of Coca Cola wow. said, oh, "Do you think that's where they get soda pop, Pope Pop?" You think that's where that it's very possible, very possible. I think it's very likely yeah. that could be it. Yeah, they'll just have to listen to the <laughs> Coke versus Pop debate of words, words for uh, dinner. Of and course, find so out. please subscribe. Please subscribe. So, so another interesting thing about coca is actually um, is the coca leaves themselves. Mm. Is that actually um, the the utility of that was that people when they be high up in the mountains and high in the Andes, oh, when yeah. they'd have altitude sickness, they would actually chew on mm. the coca leaves. Um, so it actually calming was, effect. Yeah, it became. Pose, which is not really my understanding <laughs> of the effects of cocaine, but uh, you know, apparently that helped with right. with altitude sickness. So it actually did have a function. Hmm. Uh, That's pretty. You know what? This is cool, man. This is why one of the many sad things that happen when we uh, like decimate a culture mm. is we lose some of the uh, the uh, you know, resourcefulness, some of the using uh, the creative uses of local. Local, so locally sourced sure. foods. I mean, it you took know, us... you got to go to Whole Foods now, and even then, you might find your strawberries are from Peru instead of being down the street. Sure, sure. It took us hundreds of years to even to, you know, put quinoa in our cereal. Right. And what is it? Is the is Kale. is the? I have a question though. Here's a question I have: Is yeah. the lima bean? Hmm. Is that a lima bean? Whoa! Like from Lima? Yeah, I just blew I think my mind. So. Is that right? Because I think lima beans come from Peru. Oh, what? Interesting. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. That's fascinating. Hole in the I think even potatoes, <laughs> potatoes originate from Peru and, and they brought the potatoes to well, Europe. Well, right. That's I, All I know is that they're not indigenous to. Uh, no. Uh, so, what were the Irish doing for Ireland. so long? Yeah, what were they eating? I think they were just eating grass. <laughs> just eating grass. Yeah, pretty much. And beer. Sure. <laughs> just beer. I mean, beer has bread in it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, starch. Yeah. You can survive on they were, it. They were getting by. So, well, in the 20th century, you know, you think it's all fun and games, right? Mm -hmm. In the 20th century, in 1932, to be specific, the Trujillo middle class led a violent uprising against the sugar barons and the primitive working conditions on the plantations. It was mm -hmm. instigated by the APRA, which stands for the American Popular Revolutionary Alliance. The uprising was suppressed by the army. Nearly 5,000 lives are thought to have been lost. Mm -hmm. Not a fun day for no, anybody. No, no, no. So, yep. there you know what? times. I will say, you got to situate that sort of rebellion among a lot of other ones going on around the world. At this time period and also before and even after, I'm thinking of Hawaii too, which mm -hmm. is one of those places that experienced a lot of tumultuous colonial influence. Yeah, sure. Uh, the the uh, pineapple dole plantation and uh, sugar plantations, and you got all kinds of uh, that sort of like uh, owner versus worker right, right, conflict right. going on in the world. Interesting. So. You know, it's like you, you think when you go to these sort of these love these sort of beautiful. Uh, countries mm -hmm. and you're just sitting on the beach with like 
a tropical drink with all these Just fruits and sugar. It's like how many slaves yeah. <laughs> were needed to, right, right. to have that? Right. And to build Machu Picchu. <laughs> Almost the same. Daiquiri's Machu Picchu, sure. you know, straight through line. So after that, uh, well, why don't you talk about this, this, the, the next item? Right. right. So this is tumultuous times, right? Yeah. The next group to really uh, make a significant impact in Peru is the Sendero Luminoso, or the Shining Path. Ooh. This is a radical Maoist group from mm. the poor region of Ayachuco, uh, began its unprecedented rise, founded by a uh, philosophy professor Mm. Abimael Guzman, Sendero Luminoso, wanted nothing less than to overthrow the social order via violent armed struggle. Wow. Uh, now, keep in mind, much of Sendero's funding came from the cocaine trade. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so, interesting group. I mean, I think this they are, in a lot of ways, regarded as sort of a terrorist group, like sort of this group mm-hmm. a terrorist group. Um, so, this is sort of... Of course, it always depends on who's calling you a terrorist, right? It's all about a point of view. Point of view. Sure, surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, you know, this sort of kicks off this era of this, this unrest. Hmm. Okay, now we've got your guerrillas from the Movimiento Revolucionario Tupac Amaru, or Uh-oh. the MRTA. So oh. sort of uh, hearkening back to that great re- uh, revolutionary. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is another leftist guerrilla group uh, that in uh, 1996 uh, stormed the uh, Japanese ambassador's residence in Lima and held 72 hostages for four months. Whoa. Uh, interesting. Uh, Didn't know about that. Uh, yeah, so this is interesting. And also 1996, our uh, uh, Tupac Amaru Shakur oh. also dropped uh, fantastic uh, albums. Which one was? Uh, oh, yeah, he released a couple, huh? He might, this, this, was, this was actually the peak of uh, Tupac Tupac's Amaru Shakur's recording. Uh, recording career. Man, uh, so Tupac's I, are just... Uh, I did this, not see Tupac come. This is really... This is really the era of, of the Tupacs. Yeah, they're in, um, in full swing. Yeah, mm-hmm. surely. So, uh, well, a great time right. to be a Tupac. Right. <laughs> now, now, what happens next? Right, right. What, what brings us into the modern age? Okay, well, you know, that's interesting that, that, uh, that, uh, that guerrilla groups, you know, we got those, those revolutionary groups. But now we got this gentleman named Alberto Fujimori. So in 1990, there was an election between the famed novelist Mario Vargas Llosa and Alberto Fujimori, a little-known agronomist of Japanese descent. Mm-hmm. So in 2000, Fujimori flees to Japan after video surface showing his intelligence chief bribing officials and the media. So this is something that didn't get enough play in the United States, but I remember hearing a little bit about this guy, right? And definitely of that famous author. Mario oh yeah, Vargas we're going to talk about some of his works. He is, yeah, he is a he is a good uh, writer. So uh, then we got Alejandro Toledo. So in two thousand one, a shoeshine boy turned Stanford economist became yeah. the first person. Classic story, right? You know, uh, <laughs> standard of Quechua ethnicity to ever be elected to the presidency. So this is a wow. big deal. Think about this, right? You know, like you know, for the longest time, I mean, maybe you'd get a mestizo in there yep, at yep. best, but now yep. you got a real deal. Quechua, Quechua dude mm-hmm. taking power. So that's that important. Is big deal. Wow, it only took, you know, like 2,000 years. No big deal. <laughs> sure. That's fine. Well, uh, shoe shining, Stanford economist. Yeah. So if you're a shoe shine boy out there, keep Straight your head up. up. You, you can make a- it. A- as Tupac Amaru said, buff keep your the, head up. Buff the corners. <laughs> <laughs> Olanta Humala was elected in 2011 after winning a tight runoff election against Fujimori's daughter, 
Keiko. But this is crazy. I mean, did you? I didn't even realize that there was a, like a Japanese. Yeah, we're noticing that family was like a big political players in Peru. Right, and then like you know, there's the Japanese embassy yeah. in that earlier part of the story with the gorillas. I don't know. I it sounds like there might be like it's kind of a, a strong Japanese influence. Makes sense. Sure. You know, like I was talking about Hawaii a second ago, another uh, place that's subjected to colonialism, but there's strong Japanese influence there just because it's uh, outpost in the middle of the Pacific sure. Ocean, right? Strategic. Geographic relationships. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, anyway, so the last thing here is that Lima has been chosen to be the host of the 2019 Pan American Games. All right. So a lot of things on the horizon for... Uh, for uh, uh, to. Lima for beans, from... Pan American Games. Right. Maybe... Uh, Tupac the third. Tupac the third. Fourth. Uh, depending on no. how you look at it. Well, Max, it looks like we've uh, we've tied the last knot of our kipu, mm -hmm. and that brings us to the end of a brief time of history. Oh wow! So let's take a break. It went and, quickly, and we'll be right back. Hey, Air Marshal Mike, I just failed my flight vision test three times. And I've already had two transatlantic flights this morning. I just don't know what to do. I just can't find a pair of glasses that makes me look like a super hunk. Three times? They only test you for that twice. I'd suggest Warby Parker glasses. I'm wearing a pair mm. myself. Warby Parker, you say? I do, I do. I stopped there I stopped there on Green Street in Manhattan myself uh, not two months ago when we had that layover. The day after Johnny Utah's. And with the home try-on program, you don't even need to wait till our next layover. You can order five pairs of glasses to be shipped directly to you for free. To get your home try-on today, go to warbyparkertrial.com forward slash international lounge. Thanks, Air Marshal Mike. My future's looking a lot brighter. All right, we are back here in the four F's of cultural survival segment. That's fiction, film, food, and funk. All right, now, Max, let's kick things off with fiction. Mm. What do you got for us? Okay, well, fiction is something worth our time, right? We've got, we got two items here that are worth looking at. So we've got Aunt Julia and the scriptwriter. Mm -hmm. This is from 1977. So this is our friend who we mentioned earlier who ran for office at one point. Mario Vargas Llosa, his classic novel about a scriptwriter in love with a much older woman. Interesting. You so, might say this is a South American cougar story. Ooh. You didn't think cougars lived spicy. down there, but yes, they did. Surely. Now, um, now, how do you think his writing compares to that of uh, Fujimura? Well, you know what? <laughs> Just, um, really, it's a matter of who can tie the, the better knot. Sure, and sure. The, I believe there's not tying. What was this written in the in the uh, in the Kipu <laughs> language? Yeah, the, the Kipu language. <laughs> I, that's a good question. Um, but what would a, a knot novel look like? Sure. Right? It'd just be like, what, you think it's just one rope, or you think it's a bunch? Like, I think it's just a up? big ball of twine. Now, do you think? Right. Do you think if right. you were to give a big ball of twine to? To an ancient Incan, would they be like, this is the most remarkable story Where it's just I've ever read? Oh my god. You know what? Like, oh man. This makes me feel a lot better about my ball of yarn that I have. Yeah. You know? could be on the brink of, of, a, of a great storytelling. Yeah, I'm just afraid to use it for anything. So you're going to send a package, yeah. a box or something. I'm just like, oh, okay, get my yarn, my twine. No, no, don't even go over there, man. Don't open yeah. that drawer. Yeah. It's ugly in there. So, <laughs> now, now you, you're familiar with, with this author's name. Where, where, like, where, like, where do you hear about him and what makes him famous? Well, I have to admit, I mean, the audience should know. I am full of hot air some of the time. And Much like the balloons hovering over uh, the Nazca lines. Drifting gently <laughs> in their, their flesh of Peruvian cotton, right? Right. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, you know, I haven't read Losa yet, but he is near the top of my list. And the reason mm. is because he is a uh, he's a well-known and reputable author from South America. And one that's often mentioned in the same breath as like the top dogs of South America. Right. For example, right. um, your Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Of course. It's definitely right. worth checking out. Right, right, right. Uh, but then our second piece of fiction that's worth reading is The Last Days of the Inca from 2007. And that chronicles the history-making clash between civilizations. Right, right. right. Uh, I'm sure the, the, spoiler alert, there is not a happy ending. No, in this, no. So. Yeah, and this this reminds me of the indie episode a little bit too, right? right? Every time you hear a little bit more about their history, you're like, oh man, now they're gonna something good is going to happen. <laughs> no, no. Dark days. Surely, at surely. Every turn. So surely. then we can move on to the second F, and that's film. Right. So, La Teta Asustada. Now, if you're looking for an uplifting yeah, turn of events, this is the moment. Wait, no, no, it's not. So, uh, this is translated as The Milk of Sorrow from 2009. <laughs> so, Fausta is suffering from a rare disease called the Milk of Sorrow, which is transmitted through the breast milk of pregnant women who were abused or raped during or soon after pregnancy. While living in constant fear and confusion due to this disease, she must face the sudden death of her mother. So, Yikes. Sort, of, sort of a downer, but I, I wonder if is this in the mythology of or of the Peruvian region? This concept of the milk of sorrow. Well, right. Like I wondered because you know you got their uh, you got your sort of like unique diet that was probably right. unique to this area. Right, right. You have your quinoa. You do a little nazca right. lines, right? Sure. You got your coca. Sure. What else do you well, need? I think I've heard that if you if you startle cows, their milk turns sour. Is that <laughs> is that based in any that's fact? Right. Oh my god, that's actually really funny and crazy. That is, I think that's just one of those like cow myths that <laughs> yeah, we're like, all yeah. that, that they're spreading around the, the playgrounds and the schoolyards. Right. You can knock them over. Yeah. False. Sure. They will. They, they can't jump. They can't False. walk backwards. They can't moonwalk. Yeah, they can't do Sudoku. False. <laughs> uh, you know, the milk of sorrow. Not really sure, uh, but I but a uh, great, great film nonetheless. It's supposed to be a great film. And then we got one which I actually have seen called The Motorcycle Diaries. Right. That's, that's from 2004. It's a biopic about the journey and written memoir of the 23-year-old Ernesto Guevara, who would later later become an internationally known iconic. Marxist guerrilla commander and the revolutionary known as Che Guevara. Yep. And that is a very interesting subject for a film right. and one that I really appreciated. He's, uh, he's yeah, and he's played pretty brilliantly uh, by the actor there whose uh, name also escapes me. Sure. He was a well-known actor and he did a good job. So it's sort of like you see him at an early stage in his life when he's not, you know, he's just yeah, he's more idealistic yeah. and yeah. like sort of wide-eyed. And, right. And there's great Curious. scenery of like the mountains and the Quechua people of Peru in, True. in the film. True. So, although it takes place in other parts of South America, it is interesting just to see the the, the portions filmed in Peru. Right. Right. Uh, so if you're you... thinking about heading down to Peru after you know you're doing your research, of course you listen to this episode four or five oh, times, of course so. and then after you're done with that. Watch the motorcycle diaries. All right. So what about food? So, you know, I spent a, about a week in Peru, uh, primarily in uh, Trujillo, went up to the mountains, also went over to Huanchaco, uh, experienced a lot of great things. Um, 
One uh, one thing I enjoyed was, of course, uh, chicha morada as oh, a yeah, uh, sweet Peruvian beverage made mm. from purple corn. So uh, presumably uh, in the Sunny D commercials, that would be the purple stuff <laughs> that the uh, children <laughs> sure. uh, just dismiss sure. right away. Okay. Uh, right. Also, oh, uh, another interesting uh, beverage is, of course, uh, Inca Cola, which is a soft mm-hmm. drink created in Peru in 1935. <laughs> Man. Using lemon verbena, which sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, it does. Soda has a sweet, fruity flavor that somewhat re- resembles bubble gum. It's, a, it's basically a bubble gum soda. Man. You know, of course, like, even, like, if you're from Peru and you have some degree of respect for the Incans, you're just like, <laughs> I'll just name this soft drink after them. <laughs> they won't mind, right? Oh, come on, guys. Uh, I'm sure it is also laced uh, with smallpox as right, the right, Incans... Right. Um, Last, uh, last known. Right. Uh, thank you, Sp- uh, Spanish. So we can all thank the uh, the, the conquistadors for right. that uh, secret ingredient. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's actually a disgusting drink. It's actually awful. It is. It's, it's gross. Uh, it's so gross. It's really? So gross. You know what? I think somebody's told me that before. Yeah, I've it's heard disgusting. this before. Yeah, it's absolutely disgusting. Oh, man, that's really bummer. But it's just so popular and famous. Like I have an Inca Cola T-shirt just because it's fun <laughs> to have. Just, to, just. When do you wear that T-shirt? There's there's no occasion where it's not great to wear. Right, right. Sure. Okay. Okay, <clears throat> okay so well, what about what about ceviche though? So ceviche is made from fresh raw fish cured in citrus juices such as lemon or lime and spiced with aji or chili peppers. Mm. Uh, the actually interesting enough the predecessor to this dish was brought to Peru uh, by um, Presumably by Moorish women from Granada. Whoa. Which is crazy. It's actually interesting, actually, there the Moorish influence in Peru because the Moors influence Spain yeah. and Spain comes over to Peru right. and there's that influence there. Even things like they say that a lot of the women um, in Peru were like um, headscarves. Mm. I think that's of Moorish origin as well. Sort of interesting that that's that sort of trail of... of uh, of culture there. And now for our uh, restaurant pick, mm. uh, for those uh, visiting uh, Peru, mm. uh, our pick is, of course, going to be El Verdico de Fidel, which is in central Lima. Mm. This hole in the wall across from the Alianza Lima Stadium is renowned for its Leche de Tigre, which is a ceviche broth. Whoa. I've got a big bowl for you. Fantastic. Hey, you are going to go ceviche, you got to go all the way or go big. home. Go big or go home. Right. Uh, other delicacies in Peru, of course, is guinea pig. Right. Um, you don't want to avoid that. You sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess guinea pigs in a blanket, a nice <laughs> sure, hors d'oeuvre sure, sure, sure. for an evening. Oh, um, is. And now, on to our last F, and that is funk. Okay. So what I want to talk about is, a, is, a, is a, you know, we're not going to be talking about the the pan flutes and the oh, sort of, come on. <laughs> and sort of the um, you know what you'd hear if you're getting a like a massage or oh, a, right. or uh, if you know what you'd hear on a, a pure moods album oh, man. you know well, this stuff's great yeah these are itself. really uh, you just mentioned all my favorite things but what I really want to talk about is cumbia which is a type of Afro Caribbean dance music um, to produce chicha. Which is a danceable sound closely identified with the Amazon region. Um, So there's a subgenre of psychedelic cumbia. Um, So as we are flying straight into the uh, face of the Andes Mm. over the Nazca lines, Mm -hmm. uh, I want us to listen to the uh, psychedelic sounds of Los Mirlos' 
Sonido Amazonico. Thank you.